Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sins are always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the innermost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices. Whole burnt offerings to delight you. The bulls will be offered on your altar. Amen. Let's have a look at what that might mean to us. Thank you, Andy. So first of all, that uh, David cries out, have mercy on me. And here's a prayer of a man crying out to God for a change in his situation. Perhaps that impacts on us. Perhaps when Colin said uh, what he said, perhaps we felt a sense of guilt. Well, what's my prayer life like? We need to be raised above that. We need to, yes, confess, sorry, Lord, I've neglected that. But just don't be condemned. We need to then say, please help me. Help me to to pray to you. Or maybe there's sin in our lives which we need to ask for God's forgiveness. When we praise first, then ask for forgiveness, like in a tap prayer, then any intercessions that we do praying for others becomes far more relevant and meaningful. Thank you. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. David was crushed with his sin. His sin was very serious. You may know the story of how he looked out from his room and saw this woman naked, he was filled with lust. He, he slept with her. He then uh, arranged for a husband to be killed. 
and uh, all sorts of, of dreadful things that he did. And my sin is always before me. Have you seen that, that uh, very powerful and, and uh, a meaningful advert where the, the, the man always sees that child that he's, uh, he's killed um, uh, and it's about keeping your speed down. And for David, I think it was like that with his sin. It just overwhelmed him. It was always with him. And maybe for some of us, there's, there's that situation. Against you only have I sinned. And that he knew that he'd not only sinned against the people, but against God. The Rome, book of Romans said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because we're not all adulterers and murderers, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need to come before God and seek that change. Thank you. It was his inner healing that he needed. See, the, the sins can be, can be widespread and perhaps things that we've not always thought of sins. Perhaps wrong attitudes and negativity. Perhaps not forgiving others. Perhaps anger, jealousy, fear, lack of trust in God. Let God speak to you. Maybe a lack of faithfulness. Perhaps a, a blasé attitude to God. Perhaps now's the time that God is calling you back to Him. He certainly seems to be calling the church back to Him in prayer. And this inner healing was, uh, was needed. He needed this cleansing and we need this cleansing. When the snow came, wasn't it beautiful and uh, the, the, how clean the, uh, the place looked and how different it looked. That's the image that he, he, he there, wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Thank you. And then let me hear the joy and gladness. You know, I started off the service, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Have we lost that sense of joy, that sense of gladness? Because this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Despite things that are happening, despite bad news, because joy isn't about circumstances, it's about a state of mind. I, find, I found it hard to say that opening call to worship, because I just heard some terrible news, which I'll share with you, and we'll be including that news in the prayers of intercession. Some of you know Robert Redford Miller. Um, some of you know him as Iona's brother, older brother. He's 21. And suddenly he's died. And this afternoon I'm going around to see the family. Some of you may know Sue, his mum, and some know his grandma and the family. Knew him. Our prayers won't bring him back. But our prayers will bring about change. 
for that family and perhaps for, for, for our hearts. And the healing that will be required in that family will be that inner healing. And to know the joy and the gladness again. Because at the moment for that family that will be tough. And for some of us that's tough. But that joy comes from God. And that gladness comes from God. Not that bad things happen, but that we can have the strength and the courage to face those things and the strength to support others who are going through those difficult times. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That uh, we, we need that sustaining hand of God. David knew that and we need to know that. Prayer changes us. Thank you. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Then I'll be useful to you, Lord. Then I'll be able to do the work that you want. So that's why we need to confess. That's why we need to come before God. And uh, one of the things that the elders were discussing about the week before Easter, and to really concentrate on prayer and, and invite the community in to pray. And we didn't sort it all out. We still need to do more praying. But we'd invite you to join in with that praying, how we, how we can best do that, to have a really concerted effort of prayer before we celebrate at Easter. Thank you. And then it talks about, in uh, David's cultural terms, about sacrifices and how he came um, uh, to worship. And it wasn't the action of, of coming, but the heart. And a broken and contrite heart. And sometimes God does need to break us. Sometimes God does need uh, that uh, we're in that difficult place so that we know our reliance upon him. Our attitude then can be in the right frame of mind to receive from him. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. There's nothing wrong with, with the leaving church feeling, I need you Lord. And not leaving church in, oh everything's fine. Because then there's some reality there. But also, as we leave here today, we need to know to not be crushed by our sin or crushed by any inadequacies, but ready to be remoulded by God. And hopefully it will happen before we leave church, as we share in communion, as God does his work amongst us. Maybe there's work to be done. Maybe there's forgiveness that needs to be asked for or offered to others. Maybe there's some real business to be done today. Well, let's do it before God. Let's come before Him. In the youth cell on Friday night, we watched a, a video. Oh, well, sorry, that's showing my age. 
<laughs> we watched something on the telly, whatever it was. And it was of preacher J. John at Soul Survivor. And uh, he told a funny story, which I'll try and tell. Well, I'm not so very good at funny stories, so I'll tell you it's a funny story so you can laugh. Not yet, not yet, not yet. This security guard always spotted this, uh, this, uh, this man for, well, the first day he spotted him, he was wheeling a wheelbarrow with a little cardboard box in the wheelbarrow. So he stopped him at the, the gate of the factory and said, what's in that box? And he said, I was um, uh, just clearing up the sawdust from the factory floor and I needed a bit of sawdust, so I put it into this cardboard box. So he opened it and sure enough there was sawdust in there. Okay, off you go. Second day, same thing happened again. Wheeled his wheelbarrow, little cardboard box. What you got in there? Same story. Third day, fourth day. Got to the end of the week and uh, still the same story. And uh, he, he was uh, there and he says, uh, okay, look, I am the security guard, but it's Friday. I'm just intrigued. I know you're nicking something. You come here today, pushing the wheelbarrow with this cardboard box, but what, what are you pinching? I tell you, I won't split on you if you tell me. Some of you already got it, haven't you? I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> Sometimes we don't get the right picture. We concentrate on something, but really it's the other thing that's the most important. And just at the moment in church, and, and uh, maybe I'm getting uh, things wrong, but that it's to concentrate on prayer and to really know that healing that can come through prayer. And that sometimes can be a painful process, but ultimately it's a good thing. Ultimately there is healing there. Ultimately there is restoration there. Ultimately God will lead us on as individuals and as a church. Let's move on to our second reading, shall we, Alison? Thank you. This reading comes uh, towards the end of Jesus' life. Familiar reading to some in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mount of Olives, and uh, where he's praying. And uh, I've included this about change, the change that's there. Thank you. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation.
Yes, please, Andy. So Jesus prays. Normally when we have this reading, often we concentrate on the disciples and their lack of faith, um, uh, uh, falling asleep. But we're not doing that today. We're concentrating on Jesus. Jesus, the example of prayer. First of all, he went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. His usual practice about going and finding a place. How good it is when we find a place to pray. We know that we mean business, that we can actually get there. Sally has a prayer chair where she can sit, and that's where she prays. Thank you. Now, how it's written in the Bible, we don't get any concept of time. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. I think there's a long pause here. And we can uh, guess that because there's a, the disciples fall asleep. And then he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. By that he meant that take this that I'm about to do, because he knew he was going to be arrested and, and uh, put into prison and beaten and then crucified. Take this cup from me. And I think there's a long time then, because this, is, uh, this humanity was coming out here I don't want to do this. Take this from me. And then there was a change. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And that's the crucial bit. And that's how prayer changes us. That we go into prayer with uh, perhaps an attitude, uh, an idea, and come out differently. Come out changed by God. And that was true with Jesus. Jesus, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. And then there was a change. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And surely that should be our prayer. As we pray, Lord, whatever you want to happen, that is our prayer. In our own lives, in our church's lives. And then it goes, and of course that was a, a difficult way. It wasn't an easy way. He didn't pray and everything was easy after that because then he was arrested, beaten, crucified. And praise God he did go down that route so that we can be forgiven, we can be restored through the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross through what we'll be celebrating and sharing in. We remember that. And then in verse 43, it says, An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. He needed that strength. And when we pray, we often need that strength of God in those difficult times. And that comes. It didn't change. The, it was still going to be a difficult situation. And as we pray for that family who suffered that sudden bereavement, we need to pray for that angel to be there. And please pray for me as I speak to them. And what do I say? Prayer changes things. Not my will, but yours. J. John also told another story, which I'll just quickly repeat to you. There was this ship going along and it saw another light in front of him. 
And so uh, the, uh, the chap who was uh, in charge phoned up and said, you need to move. You need to move two degrees southwest or else we'll hit. And the light at the other end said, no, you move two degrees northwest. So the guy in the ship said, I'll get the captain. So he woke the captain up. The captain said, I'm the captain. I tell you to move two degrees southeast. No, said the, the person on the light. You move two degrees northwest. We are a battleship. You move. We are a lighthouse. I suggest you move. <laughs> that when we pray, it's thy will be done, not my will be done. Thank you, Andy. Then when he arose from the prayer, the disciples were asleep. It's not the only... They, they found prayer difficult. We often find prayer difficult. But he rose and faced what was before him, renewed in strength, renewed with the Holy Spirit. And I'll just conclude with... I've been reading this book, Philip Yancey, Prayer. And in it, he says, why pray? I've asked this question almost every day of my Christian life, especially when God's presence seems far away. And I wonder if prayer is a pious form of talking to myself. I've asked it when I read theology, wondering what use there may be in repeating what God must surely know. My conclusions will unfold only gradually. So perhaps I'll give some more wisdom from this book over the coming weeks. But I begin here because prayer has become, for me, much more than a shopping list of requests to present to God. It has become a realignment of everything, of everything. I pray to restore the truth of the universe, to gain a glimpse of the world and of me through the eyes of God. In prayer, I shift my point of view away from my own selfishness. I climb above the timberline and look down at the speck that is myself. I gaze at the stars and recall what role I or any of us play in a universe beyond comprehension. Prayer is the act of seeing reality from God's point of view. You may recall in a previous sermon, I talked about that too many of us are like chickens, grubbing about in the earth, just seeing the, the situation from there. We need to soar like eagles to see the situation as God sees it. And that is achieved through prayer. Thanks be to God for his word.